Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast designed for information and education around our four-legged friends shared through engaging interviews with other pet professionals and dog owners. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, a certified dog trainer located in Little Rock, Arkansas. Today I'm sharing an interview with Julie Gaylor of Seven Rising Studio. She's a photographer in Central Arkansas, and while she's not accepting any bookings for the rest of the year, please keep her in mind for your spring photography needs and take a listen to see how you can incorporate your animals into your photos, whether your family includes a spouse and kids or your family's just you. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, a certified dog trainer based in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm speaking with Julie Gaylor of Seven Rising Studio. Julie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. We actually met because you hired me as your dog trainer, and then I learned that you were a photographer. So I wanted to have you on the podcast, in my client magazine, and on my website to discuss photography and dogs and you've got a cute little puppy named Tucker and we can talk about him a little bit but how long have you been a photographer? I started out doing photography when my husband bought me a nice camera about 13 years ago and I officially opened my photo business a few years later so I've been doing it professionally for 10 years. And what I've noticed about photographers is that there's usually a creative aspect to their lives. Um, Is it was art something you were always interested in or was this camera kind of the inciting incident to get you in a creative field? I've definitely always been a creative person. We were involved in 4-H doing a lot of projects and I always enjoyed the creative aspects of that, like creating our presentations or just creating in general from doing fiber arts or working with leather or painting, things like that. We were always doing a lot of creative things, you know, also had one of those people with the 110 camera. I always enjoyed the uh, surprise of getting your film back and seeing what it was that you had taken pictures of. So the 110 camera is a camera that needs actual film inside that has to be developed. It is. It's the, it had a one piece. There were two loops with the film that goes across it, kind of like a cartridge. So you would pop it in and it was maybe two inches by four inches by like one inch tall. It's like a little rectangle and you just would pop the cartridge in. I remember being really excited as a kid. We were actually allowed to play with those and take pictures. So we would save up our little allowance you know, for the six, I don't know, I think it was like $6 or something like that to develop a, a roll of film. <laughs> and half the time, maybe they weren't all uh, actual pictures, but it was still fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nowadays I can pull up my iPhone and hold down a button and get like 75 photos to pick from. I don't even have to frame anything. I can just figure it out. So it is wild to think back to childhood and be like, all right, I had a disposable camera you know, not great quality, but I would get these photos and you would wait like from like what CBS to get them developed. And yes, if you're feeling confident, maybe you got some doubles. Yes. We almost forgot about doubles for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm an overshooter. I'm what we call, (laughs) call in the photography world an overshooter. So thank goodness we don't do film because I would be in trouble. So an overshooter is? An overshooter is just, uh, just takes a lot of photos. There's some people who, a lot of people do have more of a film background than I did. I didn't have a film background as a professional. I just had a film background as kind of a hobby for fun. An overshooter just takes 
it's a lot of extra a lot of extra photos. I just get excited and I like all the moments and then call them down later. There are some people who are a little more judicious or as I call it, shooting through the action versus waiting on it. Sometimes I'm shooting through the action for the best moment versus kind of waiting it out, which is something I can work on still, but. Yeah, well, I know that everybody has their own take on things and maybe there's industry standards because I know there's industry standards in the dog training world but as a personality and an individual, I'm going to bring my own perspective to how I work with clients and their dogs and all that. So I'm sure as a photographer, there's some of the same. And I know it's tempting to be hard on ourselves if we're not meeting an industry standard, but if it works for you, why not? I really enjoy the micro expressions too. A lot of the moments in between are these little fleeting moments where the expression changes just a little bit and shooting through the action does allow me to get those. And I do want to point out, not everyone can see micro expressions. So do you want to explain what micro expressions are for a moment? Micro expressions are just very subtle variations. Like an example of a micro expression would be if you sort of squint your eyes just a tiny bit, it can change or the corner of your lips up more upturned versus downturn there's these subtle variations in angle which can change how a photo reads to someone an area where that's particularly prevalent is with newborn photography and newborns if you just look at a photo of a cute sleeping baby you may just think that they're asleep but when they purse their lips a certain way the corners of the mouth go down so they can look sad or grouchy and when the corners of their mouth go up, they can re look relaxed and happy. And the same thing that I would consider a micro expression is sometimes having a, fur a furrowed brow that's just enough to catch like shadows there to maybe make it look like they're you're holding tension versus being fully relaxed where there's nothing there that's catching the light. Those are all things that happen. Kids are pretty, you know, like I said, newborns and kids have a lot of micro expressions that happen very quickly. I wonder too, is that connected to your desire to overshoot because you want to capture those little moments. I think so. I think that I don't want to miss a variation and sometimes they're moving around really quickly. So it does depend on the type of action going on, on whether or not to wait that out or shoot through it. Yeah, it does play into that. I'm sure that's helpful if you're shooting an animal too, because animals move quickly. Yes. Yeah. So with animals, one thing that I've noticed as far as, I guess you could consider it a micro expression, although sometimes it's more drastic is things that make a huge impact in the photos, like where their ears are pointed, whether they're fully perked and are, you know, erect or interested, even because a dog's whole body is their expression, not like a person where, I mean, we do carry it in with body language in general, but dogs lifting their paws up or moving or their tails or where they're looking or if they're panting or not or if they're you know like we saw some dogs smiling or not smiling like all of those things can definitely play into how an animal photographs as well you know you, you photograph people and you photograph dogs what are your favorite things to take photos of my favorite to take photos of are people's stories in general. I love uh, setting up a scene that tells a story and conveys something that's unique and personal to the individuals that really reflects their style and tells something kind of, I love things on the wall that give an excuse for someone to tell a story about their family more than just even a picture. I love that storytelling aspect of it. And that 
story can be, you know, any age range or stage or phase of life, but I do tend to drift towards families and uh, children. And do you have a particular creative style that you like to use to tell stories? I would consider my style sort of a modern classic style because I am really interested in the technical presentation of a photo um, using classic light patterns and clean editing. And then the modern twist on that would be the storytelling aspect that is more emotive and brings the story to life in that way. So I guess stylistically, that's probably where I would fit in. I love to adapt to what my client wants to tell as well. So my style is really just focused on drawing out the story from the people that I photograph and then piecing together what would reflect that the best. Would you, is an, a niche something different than a style? Yes, so a niche would be when a photographer specializes in something in particular, like a niche would be newborn photography or a niche would be senior photography or even wedding photography. Those are some really popular niches. And a style would be something more like how the the pieces and the elements of the image that come together so that would be sort of like the editing whether your editing is using very moody edits or light and bright colors or something cleaner than that a style would be something more like the wardrobe choices that are involved in the image like some people may like more of a vintage feel or bohemian or something like that those things would be stylistic representations and so the two combined are forming your brand. So it sounds like you really enjoy people for their stories, you know, whether that's family or individuals or some senior photography as well. And do you pull in their animals if you can, as they're part of the story as well? Yes, a lot of times people's animals, especially dogs, are really considered a member of the family. And I love to include them because that's part of their story. That's their other family member that spent, you know, greets them when they get home and jumps, you know, up on the couch to watch a show with them and is, you know, truly part of the family. For some couples, their dog is their baby, you know, so it's really important to include their, you know, their baby in the, the stories that they tell from like a pregnancy announcement or something like that. So I love to, I consider animals like an extension of the story that I'm telling with people. I don't specialize in animals, but I specialize in people and their families and the dog is part of the family for sure. I wanted to also ask about inspiration. How does inspiration play into your style, your niche, and how you tell a family or individual story? The last few years, I've really been working on developing my lighting skills and technique and using, because I use off-camera lighting, a lot of photographers are natural light photographers. And because I am very inspired by classical photography, it does involve uh, light control and off-camera flash gives me that control that I want over the lighting of an image when maybe the lighting isn't the best or anything like that and a, a beautiful timeless portrait. And my, one of my biggest inspirations is Norman Rockwell. I love how all of his photos tell a story. You can see all the detail that's been put into it, the little details that are left around. And it's always representative of the time. It's not 
forcing it somewhere else. It's, you know, something that's happening and relevant. I love how some of it's a little tongue in cheek. He has a sense of humor that comes out into his work. And I love that how he also is was an activist for his time and including things that, you know, push those boundaries. I love all those things about his work. So that that's an ins a big inspiration for me. My inspiration in that storytelling with Rockwell and other artists is to really stay true to the people and bring out parts of their character and authenticity in the images. So that's really driving me more and more towards not just taking like a regular photo, but something that really is full of details and showcases people, you know, interacting with each other. And, and again, the story of their life as it is now. And there's something else I wanted to touch on. Before I became a dog trainer, I was a writer and I still write. It's just a little bit different now. And one of the things that I know people resonate with me is the mess that I bring into my storytelling. And mess can be very beautifully portrayed if you do it right. And I feel like you do some similar things, not only in your own writing, but as a photographer. And this is actually, from what you've told me, right, gotten you some, some jobs because you also try to break away from an industry standard, which is also what I do as a dog trainer. What is the appeal to you to staying true to the mess in a way that's beautiful and authentic? Industry standard is that every set of photos looks exactly the same. And I definitely have an approach. I have a workflow that I bring and then I'm looking for specific things about how someone looks their best angles and composition and the technicals of art that are important to carry a photo. But there are parts of it that I really want to be reflective of the individual and I'm not imposing. I'm wanting more of the person to shine through than, than me and um, see the best in what they're doing. So that's a way that I'm breaking away is not just saying this is my edit. I want to get input from the people that I'm photographing as to what's important to them and what they like or don't like. I consider, you know, even more important than what I like and don't like because that ultimately it's their story. I've been trusted um, to keep it safe and to present it to the world, but ultimately that's their story that's a gift to me. Like I always consider it an honor. It's not just, you know, I don't want to ever feel like somebody thinks it's just another photo. Sometimes those are the only, um, that's all that we have left. You know, I lost my husband uh, a few years ago and the pictures are what we have left. And the pictures that we cherish most are the authentic pictures that show you know, something about us or where we're interacting. And they may not necessarily be the absolutely perfect posed thing they are the pictures that are you know more emotive and showing the heart so i'm wanting to draw more and more of that out to be able to give that to other people it's important to really stress that because i lost my sister two years ago and one of the things that hurt me the most as i was grieving her death was that i didn't have more pictures of the two of us and that's something i've really chosen to change the past few years is take not only as many photos of myself as possible, but me with other people as possible. Because when something does happen, she was only 20, and I know your husband was young as well, things happen. And we have to have some ways to capture, you know, what is past and to remember, because when death happens as it does, you know, that's what we have. We have our memories, and then we have photographs, which are concrete memories. It is. One of the things that we've talked about previously was too that the, a reason that I love including family pets and photos 
is because you never know too, you know, dogs lives are shorter than people's lives, unfortunately, and including them and documenting that part that they play in our lives is really important. And a lot of times, unfortunately, it kind of gets put off to the side for a variety of reasons. And I would love to change that more for people who their dog is a part of their family, because that really is important to share those memories together. Absolutely. And that's whether your family is just a couple and your dog and that's your family or you're single and you have a dog and that's your family. One of the things that I, I'm a single person and I have two dogs and I want to take as many photos of them and them with me as possible because that is my family. And if something happens or even with old age and they pass, I still want to remember them well because they are important to me. So when families or single people or couple want to book a photo shoot, what should they expect if they want to involve their dog or their cat or another pet? If somebody wants to include their family pet, one of the biggest things is to let your photographer know. Sometimes it's happened, it's kind of a surprise inclusion. And I think it's because some people are afraid to say that they want their animal in the photo because maybe it will be too much or that they think it's just really a quick thing and isn't really a big deal and I guess as the photographer I would love for people to know that it's it is important and it is a big deal in the sense that I want it to be just as perfect with your animal and be able to put the same level of attention and planning into that you know that reflects how special and important they are because if it's important to you and you want to include it in the photo then I want to take the time to plan for that so I would say like letting your photographer know and then really planning out where would be best for the animal, like where the animal's comfort level is, because a lot of times we're sort of shaping this whole thing around the location of the photo shoot or, you know, where, where this is going to take place, if it's a park or at their house or something like that. And planning ahead for that can let us know what your animal is most comfortable with and, you know, what to do with the animal in between the you know pictures if they're not going to be in all the pictures or things like that so we can plan what exactly would be best for you and your dog or cat or chicken <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and so i do want to add in here of uh, some things that are helpful for your dog or you know cat or chicken no but especially dog as a dog trainer is that a dog should have a really good sit a down and a stay at minimum and the ability to focus through distractions and new experiences. So if they are not trained, and I do want to stress that training is mainly language and communication, if they do not understand what's expected of them, then it's going to be a challenging experience because of everything that's happening. Have you found that to be true in your photography sessions? I definitely have, and I know you could just as easily say this is me. The sit, the down, and the stay is part of it that people know and understand is helpful. But having a new person come in, especially with a big black plastic box in front of their face, can be intimidating to an animal. And part of the training is, you know, the socialization to other people and to people who are acting in erratic ways. It's not normal behavior for a person to be holding a little black box in front of their face or for maybe the lighting equipment to go off or for other things to be going on. 
and also that the dog is feeding off of all of the stress of photos because unfortunately I do try to you know we do have fun at sessions and really it is about having fun and connecting but there is an element of stress of everything being just right and everybody being where they need to be that sometimes the dog isn't actually used to that the dog's used to kind of hanging out around the house and all of those are part of the you know quote-unquote training and the exposure of the dog to the situation. So have you have you found it to be best to have someone there that's handling just the dog who might not be in photos? So one thing I noticed because I offer group training classes and at the end of each round of classes I take the photo but it's just on my iPhone. It's nothing special. I don't claim to be a photographer but I tell I tell everyone I will handle your dog. So I get the dog positioned, I get the dog focused on me, and then I take the photos. I can do that because I have two hands and it's just an iPhone. And it's much easier to do that than when the person is trying to get their dog to focus because basically you just spend all this time um, on focus, but typically the dog is facing the handler. We do work on getting the dog next to them, but that's more for leash manners. So I need to get the dog to focus on me for the photos. And it, it's worked every single time, my method of doing it. Have you found it is a challenge for people to get their dog posed or are you able to take a photo and pose the dog? How is that, how has that worked? So one story I would like to tell is my friend and I, when I first got my little dog Tucker, wanted to get pictures of him when he was in his cute little floofer puppy phase. And um, I just have to say that it was, she has a lot of experience handling animals. I have a lot of experience handling animals. I'm not a trainer, but you know, I've been around animals a lot and I feel very confident in my photography ability and the ability to set up the lights and know where everything goes and have it all ready and in position. And it was a lot and we should have had a camera on us trying to get like it's like two, two photographers and one puppy who will win. <laughs> so, and it is a lot of things going on. And then when you start adding people in, it just compounds the scenario. And in my experience, my attention is to creating the story and telling the scene. And a dog really is looking for somebody to be communicating with them. And I would love for somebody to be dedicated to communicating to the dog, because when I'm saying, move this hand over here, you know, the dog is noticing all of those things and they're sort of looking to someone for direction. They want to be, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? I don't know. It's all new. It's a completely new situation. And if the dog, you know, all the people in the photo have me to look to for direction. They're like, where do I put my hands, right? That's the question everybody, what do I do with my hands? Mm -hmm. So I'm able to give them that direction because they're looking to me. And I think that it's a wonderful thing if the dog has someone to look to that can give them direction because they appreciate that as well. They want to know what to do with their hands too. Mm -hmm. so that would be, and that's not my specialty. I kind of have to know, I have a deep respect for experts in their field and my expertise is not in dog handling and training. And I have a deep respect for people who are experts in their field. My expertise is in people, micro expressions with people, setting the lighting up. And the, I love animals and I love dogs, but my communication with the forefoot, it's a different kind of, I, I just understand it's a different kind of communication and that's not what I'm fully able to do to the best of my ability when we're including pets. I feel like more people want to include their dog in photos, but they're scared of how their dog might behave. And what I would love to do is include an expert, you, yay, because you're awesome, um, that can communicate with the dog because 
I, it just hurts my heart when at the last minute we decide, oh, the dog is maybe having a bad day or it was just too much stress. Like we may have even been planning to have the dog in the pictures and then they're like, well, we were running behind or whatever. And now we just can't bring the dog. And so I would love, and then that's sad because again, as a valued family member, we really want to include them and make do what we can to make that possible. Yeah, we are going to collaborate and figure out what that looks like for people who do want to add in, add on uh, someone who can handle the dog. And whether that's doing some private lessons beforehand or training walks where I just take the dog and do the communication, but we're going to find a way to collaborate and offer that to people so there's no more surprises and we can help people prepare before the photo shoot to kind of talk about some of the surprises that happen. What are some common things that have happened when people have included their dogs in photo shoots? Well, it's funny, it's funny, not funny. And I really am sharing this with a place of not, you know, itch can just happen to anyone. Like <laughs> this, this whole, like I could just as easily tell toddler stories of what's happened with people and their toddlers. So, or my own kids, my own animals. Like when my friend and I were taking pictures of Tucker and he just decided to, you know, he sat down and then we were taking pictures on a little box and he sat down and just fell off the back of the box. Anyway, no. He thought it was fun. Then he started doing it on purpose. So he was having more and we're like, oh no. Um, but some of the common problems that happen, I mean, the number one thing that happens is a dog that's honestly just scared of lady with the black box in front of her face. They're just scared and don't understand what's going on and why everyone wants to suddenly be in all in one place together when a dog's used to having personal space, <laughs> you know, like, why is my whole family on top of me? I don't understand. So the, the coming together like that is, is one of the things that I've noticed can be kind of problematic and the equipment is another one. But uh, one of the other problems that we've had too is during a session that perhaps the dog is off to the side and asked to stay or perhaps tied to something or, you know, we're trying to occupy the dog while we're doing pictures without the dog. And <laughs> a couple of times the dog has decided that they were done with the session entirely. So the photo session had unfortunately turned into a go find go find the dog. That was, that was unfortunate, but that's one of the things that has happened. And then just another one is, is dogs that are, are, um, you know, the opposite, the counter to the dog that is kind of nervous and stressed to be there. Then we have the dog that's enjoying it so much that they're like laying on their back, you know, <laughs> tongue out the side, just be all four feet up in the air. We're like, guys, you know, <laughs> like this is not that kind of photo shoot like come on you can sit. they're just having a great time like laying across we've had you know the dog sit up and then just like kind of fall over to the side and then I can specifically remember one time it was a bigger dog and the dog actually leaned back and the dad was squatting and it was like human dominoes <laughs> the dog leaned back. so sometimes the dog enjoys it a lot <laughs> so and it's, I think it's true. I did a whole series on embarrassment and I had a dog trainer on there. I shared some of my personal stories as well. Dogs are always going to do things that are silly or weird or all of that because they're dogs with their own personalities and opinions and wants and dislikes and all that stuff. So having someone there to help with that can help alleviate some of that stress and embarrassment and all that. But man, nothing humbles you more as a trainer than to get a dog that 
challenges everything you think you know. And that's happened to me recently with the second dog that I've gotten. So it happens to everybody. Trainers are not exempt from being embarrassed. They just know how to problem solve. So that's where we come in. But when people are preparing, you mentioned you know, they, that they should let you know as their photographer that they'd like their dog to be involved. What are some other ways that they should prepare? Again, like I, I said, I hinted at it earlier, to take into consideration where the dog would be comfortable and where the dog is prepared to go. So for some dogs, they do really well inside the home. And if we go to a busy park or something that, like that with a lot of people, that that is intimidating to the dog, or maybe they're very interested in other people or animals, and and some dogs are you know wanting to bark at other people or or animals. So part of it needs to be preparing where where will suit them the best, and and then the socialization aspect of that preparing in the sense that it would be helpful if your dog is familiar with where the photo shoot is going to be and familiar with training there. So they there's a difference between as i've learned from you too um, there's a difference in dogs abilities to generalize their training so they may do really well on a sit and a stay inside the house but when you take try to take the sit stay out to the park then it looks different so preparing for that would make sure that your dog is prepared to do that sit stay somewhere new also preparing for where the dog will go when they're not going to be in picture. So I think it's really important actually that the dog isn't left in the car or tied up somewhere because they really need to have a person that's assigned to them to keep them safe and comfortable and not just leave them, you know, when the rest of the session is going on. So when sessions happen outdoors, you know, sometimes it's too hot to leave them in the car and, you know, tying them up sets them up for a fail there as far as like having to keep an eye on them and then that tethers us to one spot and adds additional stress for the dog. So I really think that families need to prepare to have somebody there for the dog specifically so that they are having a good time. Well, Julie, I think that was all of my questions. I will put out there if anyone is interested in having a dog trainer at your photo shoot, please reach out to either me or Julie and we'll put together a customized plan just for you. And where can people find you, Julie, on the internet, social media, all that good stuff? So on Facebook and Instagram, I'm Seven Rising Studio, and I would love to have you follow us over there. We're really active on Facebook in particular, but that is the best way to reach me with my contact information there while my website is under construction. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast, with your friendly neighborhood dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein, a certified dog trainer located in Little Rock, Arkansas. Music has been provided by Jim Chiago of 7 Second Chance. Catch more of his work on iTunes and Spotify. And tune in every Thursday for another episode of Telltale Dog. And stick around for After the Music for some more from Julie. I just wanted to say that getting to know you as a trainer, I have learned so much because I knew when I hired you that my dog was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is a high energy dog and he's smarter than I am. And I um, just love your style. And I have learned a lot and been inspired by you 
as to looking at my relationship with my dog as communication and how different that is as a dog owner than it's been in the past. And I just really, I think everybody should have you as their dog training friend because your insights and your ability to read the dog and share little things along the way that empower both of us is really special. And as part of our stories and in telling stories, I think that it's just a really neat thing that I'm excited to see play out in pictures because it's just, I love, I love animals and I love Tucker. I want him to be in our family pictures, but I know we're, gonna, I know we're going to need help to have Tucker in pictures. So uh, I just, I know the feeling and how good it feels. And I, I want other people to have that because it's just, it's a gift. It's a gift to have good communication with your dog. And then it's a gift to be able to have that as treasured memories. So I'm excited for this. Absolutely. And I just want to say it's been such a delight getting to know you as well and to have just the delightful added bonus of to be in such unexpected harmony about our values and how much we value stories. Because I do think when you have tragedy in your life, it, it forces you to look at stories in a different way as like a healing process too, and how you harness that messiness and the authentic um, aspects of it it's so powerful moving forward and how you interact with the world and how you help other people see their own stories and i think you do that in such a beautiful way not only with your words but with your photography as well and it's so cool and inspiring to see i really i really appreciate that i know that a lot of photographers are really focused on stylistically choosing things that present certain wardrobes or kind of the beautiful people and my heart has just been in that everybody has a beautiful story to tell whatever that looks like and there are so many different ways to tell a story because there are so many different people and just really valuing once tragedy happens you just never really see anything the same way and i think it's deepened the emotiveness of my work and like, and valuing just all the parts that go into the story. And that's why when you started talking about, you know, working together to get the dog in the picture, I was so excited because again, so many times I personally have been disappointed that I couldn't do that for a client. I couldn't include their animal. And that is a really big part of the story. And the animals are, you know, my cat comes and lays on my chest. She just knows sometimes it's a it's a bad day. And I know a lot of people's dogs are that way. They're really special and including them is really important.